You're now listening to the Hot Take Podcast with Stephen Blake, your source for everything fantasy football. Here are your hosts, Stephen Taroni and Blake Sullivan of Roto Baller. Welcome in to the Hot Take Podcast. We are back for another episode, and I'm excited today, folks. We are going to get into our wide receiver twos. Of course, you tuned in last week with Bob Harris. We had our wide receiver one rankings, one through 12. Today, we're going to get into 13 through 24. And oddly enough, I'm actually more excited about this. Um, I think one through 12 is like your, your typical, you know, run-in-the-mill guys, your elite players. But now we're going to dive a little bit deeper. Um, and we want to talk about some of those later round guys. I want to welcome in my co-host, Blake Sullivan. What's going on, buddy? How are you? Not a lot. Had a little weekend in Chicago. Went to some baseball games up there. So uh, shifting gears back to football now. A lot of stuff getting ready to go down in football. Got some drafts coming up. Scott Fishbowl is coming up. I know we've got some announcements on that. And, of course, announcing more stuff for the FSGN.com Draft Pros. Obviously, we've got that up and going now on the site. Uh, so if you want Steve Rye or Nate Hamilton – to uh, or Jeff Lambert to draft your team, help you throughout the year with your weekly stuff, feel free to go on over there and check us out. We've got some pretty cool things going on if you can't make your draft or if you just want help dominating your leagues this year. Awesome, man. And then we have to introduce our special guest today, Matt Harmon of Yahoo Sports, formerly of NFL Network and creator of Reception Perception. What's going on, Matt? Guys, thank you so much for having me. And yeah, this is a really fun group of wide receivers to discuss because, you know, yeah, like you said up top, it's the it's easy enough to, to figure out who these top 12 guys are, you know, the wide receiver ones. But this is a group where you're going to have to make not only some big season long decisions, but some weekly decisions, too, when you're looking at, all right, you know, this guy plays this type of role. How's that going to go up against this type of defense? And I think that's where uh, reception perception can really kind of help you out making some of these decisions. And I, yeah, it's just a really fascinating group of players to talk about. And uh, it's good that we still have something to discuss here in the kind of the only dead time of the NFL calendar, which is what we're going to be running into here soon uh, coming from mini camp into training camps. Yeah. You know, reception perception really helped me last year. You know, I was looking into uh, a lot of your work and um, you know, I'm a huge wide receiver fan. I always go wide receiver, wide receiver in my drafts. I literally have gone wide receiver, wide receiver for the past like four years. And it's, it's worked out for me so far. Uh, but with Tyreek Hill in particular, and then, you know, we're not going to discuss anything else with that. It looks like, look, he might be back. We might be able to draft Tyreek Hill again. We're not going to get too deep into that right now, but I was looking into last offseason and, you know, the perception of Tyreek Hill was, you know, boom or bust, you know, he's a deep threat guy. When I really looked into uh, what you had created, uh, you know, that's kind of like analyzing uh, his routes. I was able to find that actually 55 of his 75 receptions in 2017 were within 10 yards. Mm. And I'm looking at Tyreek Hill and I'm like, man, this guy is a possession receiver. I want that on my team. And sure enough, he was the wide receiver one last year. So that was big um, for, for me in particular. And I'm sure that helped a lot of people win their titles. Yeah, it's funny with Tyreek Hill, too, because he's actually someone that, you know, doesn't get associated much with reception perception, but he's actually one, you know, it's a, it's an un, and it's unfortunate that we have to discuss him with, you know, kind of like 
a little bit of a bad taste in our mouth, but that's the reality of the situation that he's put us in. Um, and I think what, what's fascinating about him looking at him through reception perception that, you know, coming out of his rookie year, he was a guy that most people, I think most fantasy analysts, honestly, looked at him as a guy that was, oh, he was, you know, he's, he's an ex-Cordero Patterson type of player, a guy that you can rely on for gadget touches, but is that sustainable year over year? But really when you looked at his reception perception, his success rate versus coverage metrics, the routes that he was able to be highly successful on in that series – you saw that he was, look, in, in limited looks, albeit in limited looks, he was a guy who could run routes really well and be a true full field separator. And I think reception perception has been ahead of the curve with Tyreek Hill and the player that he was always going to become, which is what we saw last year. So I think that that is a good use case for the series. And I think several guys that we can, are going to look at today, you can probably throw into that same uh, into that same kind of category as we might not have seen their full potential yet, but there might be more to unlock. Yeah, real quick, uh, the Hot Take Podcast is brought to you by Full-Time Fantasy Pod Network, uh, hashtag FTF Podnet. And, uh, you know, I want to thank Jim Day for giving us the opportunity to be a part of this awesome network. You know, we're working with guys now like Andy Singleton and uh, Scott Atkins and guys like that. So go and check that out on Twitter, hashtag FTF Podnet. Um, so, Blake, talk to uh, the folks real quick about Trav Pros once again and what we're going to offer for their service uh, this, this coming uh, offseason and going into uh, drafts in August. Yeah, so basically there's a series of services, and this goes for any platform that you're going to be drafting on, and it goes for pretty much any kind of scoring settings. As long as you specify that with us, that way we can help you to our best extent. Uh, you know, we're really open to working with anybody on this. And it's kind of a series of services where you will start with a pre-draft analysis. We'll go over our draft strategies, things that we like to do in drafts, uh, maybe some players like we're talking about, what we just talked about with Tyreek Hill. How do you handle that situation? Uh, I just did a draft today where it came up where he slid, but do you go ahead and take that? Uh, or what do you do? So we'll talk about things like that, uh, get really prepared for your drafts. And then, of course, we'll offer the two main services, which would be uh, a proxy draft if you have a dentist appointment or something awful like that where you cannot make your fantasy draft Ugh, we can, oh that's that's the worst case scenario right there but we'll have you covered of course so we'll make sure you get the best team and then we'll also do a live chat during your draft if you want so you can screen share your draft with us and we'll scroll through the players with you tell you our thoughts and opinions and make sure that you're happy and really uh really liking what we're doing for your team and then after the draft, we'll also offer a post-draft analysis. Players you might look to trade that you got a good value on. Uh, maybe, maybe potential trade targets on other teams that you should be getting now. And then, of course, throughout the season, trade analysis, waiver wire stuff, uh, all that will have you covered. And that will be available per Slack, right? We're going to have a Slack channel for, for fans that will be able to interact with uh, all of our experts. Yep. So what you'll do is there will be uh, – for your, for your actual draft and for these, some of these services, you will work one-on-one -on -one with the expert of your choosing out of the four of us. Uh, but if you do the total package, you will be in a Slack chat with all of us. And we're also going to add other analysts that aren't necessarily drafting through draft pros, but analysts that we feel know what they're doing uh, and love to interact with people. And we want to have them involved in the process too, helping you with start sit questions uh, so you can get a wider a wider range of opinions each week. Yeah, my favorite 
part about this draft pro service is going to be the video chat during drafts. I think it's just awesome. Anytime I've ever drafted where I'm like video chatting with a buddy or maybe, you know, someone that, you know, is drafting as well, it's always so much more fun. But I just feel like that sort of experience drafting with an expert who's going to be able to guide you through each pick is a really cool process so like I'm really looking forward to that you know you're on the clock in the second round and you're just hoping that Juju slides down to you you know what do you do if he doesn't get to you you know it's kind of last minute thinking and then you have that uh expert to kind of riff off of so really looking forward to that um one quick announcement before we get into our 13 through 24 wide receivers with Matt Harmon uh we want to talk about we are actually giving away a free entry into the Scott Fishbowl 9. That's right, the biggest pro-am fantasy football tournament out there. We are giving away a free entry, guys. I'm really excited to be, be able to offer this. All you have to do is follow these simple instructions, and then if you can't remember them or whatever, we're going to put it up on Twitter. Don't worry. Uh, it has to be before this Friday. Uh, but all you have to do is retweet the preceding tweet that's going to have the show on it. Follow these accounts, FF Professor ST3, at Blake Sullivan FF, The Hot Take Pod, and The FSGN. And then, of course, subscribe and then give that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That's it. Once you do that, you are eligible to enter the Scott Fishbowl 9, which is just such a great experience. Uh, I know, Matt Harmon, you're going to be in there. And if you want to just real quick, just talk about your experience that you've had in this tournament and kind of how, uh, what Scott Fish means to the fantasy industry. Well, yeah, I mean, for starters, Scott is just such a gem. <laughs> I mean, he is really – he's important to, to this whole community, as you mentioned. Like, he's someone that I – it's hard to really put into words because he takes what I think – you know, I think we've all we've all felt something in terms of like the community online, you know, being there when we needed it, whether it's a, a big moment or a small moment. I know I have had personal struggles that I've gone through that, you know, then during that time is when I came up with reception perception and putting it out there into the fantasy community. You know, I was always a little bit nervous because whenever you put something out there, you're never sure how people are going to react, but I have found this group of people online to be so welcoming and so just such, just such full of such good people and such goodwill. And I think that it's one thing to talk about that in kind of like an esoteric intangible way, but yeah. Scott takes that goodwill and actually puts it into real action. Yeah. And, and also, yeah. And also allows us to do something really fun, which is this giant tournament that's, you know, unlike anything else. And, you know, I think I've been playing it maybe four years. I think this might be year number five for me. Uh, the first time I got in was uh, with Sal Stefanelli's team that he kind of gave up to me. Uh, and that was pretty cool. Um, and, you know, I think that that's just – it's just a great example of bringing everybody together, you know, from a bunch of different sites and, and kind of all pushing towards something, which is, you know, the fantasy cares drive and everything like that. And, yeah, it's a lot of fun, man, too. Like, also, like, you know, we could sit here and get uh, sappy about the, the goodwill part of it, but it's a, it's a hell of a time to, to play in the tournament and everything like that. I was really happy with my team last year, mostly only because I had Patrick Mahomes and uh, just came up a little short. So, this year I'm hoping to, uh, hoping to kind of push it a little bit farther into the playoffs than I did last year. Yeah, I mean, one of the coolest parts about this is that you get to play against, you know, you know, Matt Harmon or Matthew Barry or people like that. And, you know, it's just a really cool opportunity to just interact with uh, some of these people that you might see on TV or listen to 
Um, so I, I'm just really excited to get into it and excited to give away this free entry. So be on the lookout for that, guys. Without further ado, let's get into these wide receivers. Let's start at the top, number 13. I have T.Y. Hilton. We talked about him last episode, so we're not going to get into him too much. Um, Blake had him as a wide receiver one, and Bob Harris did as well. I have him right outside, and I'm not trying to disrespect T.Y. at all, but, you know, there was a lot of guys that fit into that top 12. T.Y.'s right outside there. And, of course, you know, he's a perennial right there, right on the cusp each year. Um, it could, you know, you never know with him. He could be a top five guy, or he could be, you know, at 15 spot. Um, Blake, you have A.J. Green at 13. Of course, I had him a little bit higher. Um, is there anything you want to talk about AJ about real quick? Yeah, not really. I was a little bit lower on AJ Green. He's a guy that's a pretty consistent player, and I think that offense is going to be somewhat consistent. But I don't expect enough of him this season for me to draft him any higher than that. But I can see why you and Bob both had him higher than me. Obviously, his production's been there in the past. I'm just a little bit skeptical with the injury. Matt, talk to me real quick about this Cincinnati Bengals offense. Uh, are, are they, like, kind of due for a comeback this year with all the weapons that they have? Yeah, I mean, I think the big question is health. And, you know, every year we've always talked about Tyler Eifert's injury history. You know, hey, this is someone you always have to be worried about getting hurt. Um, but now we are kind of at that point with A.J. Green as well, as you mentioned, Blake. Like, you know, every every year so far, I think the last three years, there's been an injury situation. And – I just hope we do get a full 16 games of A.J. Green because not only do I think I, – I think he is still an elite player, right? I think that he's probably almost undersold with how elite he is as a route runner and as a separator. You know, if you look at reception perception, this is a guy who's been, over the last five years, one of the best separating big wide receivers out there. I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for that. He's also still a great jump ball receiver. Uh, he had the highest contested catch rate among receivers I charted last year. So I think A.J. Green's still all there as a player. But in addition to that, I do think this offense right now, we're, we're monitoring their situation with their rookie left tackle, Jonah Williams, who uh, Coach Zach Taylor said did get hurt today. But that offensive line is looking much better than it was two years ago. Uh, younger players like Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon and maybe even John Ross this year. I know we said it last year, but uh, I know Zach Taylor is at least a little bit excited about him. So – I think the surrounding talent around Andy Dalton, we've seen that when that is elevated, Dalton can also play well. So I think there's a lot to like here with Green this year. Um, and I, I really – if he gets to that, you know, round two, three turn, I just can't help drafting a player who I think does have top five wide receiver, you know, in his range of outcomes, whereas other guys going in that area I do not believe have that. Yeah, I mean, if he plays a full 16, there's no question that he has top five upside – uh, you know, in the eight games that he played last year, he played nine, but really he played eight because he was injured in that ninth game. He was the wide receiver seven overall. I mean, there was that one dominant Thursday night game against the, the Ravens, I believe. He had three touchdowns in the first half. I mean, this guy is still dominant. And, you know, he really is compared to, in my opinion, Julio Jones. And, you know, they're about the same age. Um, you know, they're about the same size, same speed. Uh, but really, you know, when we talk about you know, separation, A.J. Green, I think, has Julio Jones beat in that category. Of course, you know, you want that jump ball and then uh, the, the slant route, the underneath stuff. I think Julio uh, excels in that. Um, but A.J. Green still is an elite talent. 
Um, so I think if he does play a full 16, yeah, he's a wide receiver one this year. And, of course, Zach Taylor, the Sean McVay disciple. I mean, we should see an improvement in this uh, Cincinnati Bengals offense, especially, you know, without <laughs> – without Marvin Lewis, uh, you know, having the, the keys to the car right there. Um, I think Andy Dalton is going to have a little bit more freedom here. And, you know, Joe Mixon, Tyler Boyd, everything's going to open up a little bit. If it all comes together, A.J. Green could be a great value. I'm seeing him slip to the end of the third round in some draft. That's an unbelievable value for A.J. Green. He could actually be your wide receiver three, the way things are looking. Now, by the time August rolls around, I don't think that's going to be the case. But still, he's an amazing wide receiver two to have on your team. So I have Stefan Diggs, number 14, um, and I want to talk a little bit about him uh, just because his average depth of target is so low. Um, you know, last season it was uh, about eight yards, uh, talking about average depth per target. Um, so really a lot of underneath stuff. Um, you know, we'd like to think of Stefan Diggs as a burner, but he plays a lot in the slot. You know, him and Adam Thielen are kind of interchangeable in that slot. The only reason I don't have him, you know, because he was a wide receiver one last year. It was his first 1,000-yard season. He had 148 targets. Um, I'm a little bit down on Stephon Diggs only because I think they want to get back to the running game in Minnesota. I don't think they want to pass as much as they did last season. And, Blake, I think you're kind of thinking on the same terms because you have him down at wide receiver 17. Yeah, I have him a little bit lower too. And I, th I think basically the thing for me is you're going to have Kyle Rudolph – and Adam Thielen there that can demand those targets in the first place. And like you said, they do seem somewhat devoted to that running game. So, you know, I just worry a little bit more about the ceiling for Diggs. I think he's obviously going to be a great player. He's going to get those underneath balls. But is he going to get enough volume to make it worthwhile? And especially in larger PPR formats, uh, I'm a little bit worried about that. Matt, how are you feeling about Stefan Diggs this season? I know you're a big fan. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Stefan Diggs, and it was a little shocking at first to see wide receiver 17. Uh, I mean, <laughs> but I can I get it from the perspective that I really do believe. I'm with you guys that I think that they will be more committed to the running game. I mean, every move they've made since they fired John DiFilippo midway through last season has indicated they want to be more of a running team. You know, they bring in the Kubiak contingent. Uh, you know, there's a lot of that sort of blueprint all over this team right now. I think Dalvin Cook could be in for a nice year because of that. However, the only thing I would, I would push back on here is well, the two things that I really like about both of these Vikings receivers, and I like Diggs more because he's consistently cheaper. I also think he's the better player um, as well. Uh, I, I think that with the fact that his offense is just so highly concentrated through these two receivers – Yes, I know they just extended Kyle Rudolph, but I, don't, I think he is a declining player who might only be there another year or two. Um, they really just move the cap around with this type of extension. I like Irv Smith, but as a developmental guy for sure. But, you know, beyond that, there's not much on this roster in terms of pass-catching talent. So we know when they put the ball in the air, it's probably going to flow through these two receivers. And I still like this passing game because if the offensive line is better this year and they've at least made some additions, you know, their first-round pick, rookie center, uh, Bradbury, he should be a big help. Um, if they're able to give Kirk Cousins a little more time, I think we see that average depth of target for Diggs expand. And I do think he's one of the best I think he is the best full-field route runner in the NFL right now. And, again, at that type of talent, I really can't I can't say no where he goes in drafts. So I'm a little bit higher on him than you guys, but it's mostly just because I think that offense is so highly concentrated between those two receivers. 
Most definitely. So, you know, that 148 targets last season can definitely be duplicated. Um, you know, I have him at the wide receiver 14. Matt, you would maybe have him a little bit higher in like the wide receiver 10 range. Yeah, yeah, I probably would. Okay. So one, one thing I should specify for, not necessarily for our sake, but for listeners' sake, if you're listening to these rankings, is I know I personally, when I'm making my rankings, like to make them based off where I would draft them. So I mentioned having A.J. Green at 13 and Edelman as my 14. And you have Stefan Diggs at 17. I think all three of those guys are very capable of being top 12 players. Uh, but given, you know, things with uh, teams – whether it be personnel, whether it be age, injuries, things like that. Sometimes I will side players back if I'm not as comfortable drafting at that higher spot, even if I do think that's where they'll finish. Sometimes the risk is too much for me to put them in that spot. And Stephon Diggs, wide receiver 11 last season, his first 1,000-yard season, like I mentioned. Um, there's no reason to think that he wouldn't be able to move up from that. Um, but like I said, you know, I think that the Minnesota Vikings don't want to pass as much as they did last year. Of course, Dalvin Cook wasn't healthy. I think they want to get back to the running game a little bit. It's just going to slide him down just a tad. But he's still, of course, a great receiver. And, you know, you should obviously be looking to draft him. So, let's, yeah, Blake, like you mentioned, you have Julian Edelman at 14. I had him inside my top 12. I had him at wide receiver 11. I'm thinking it's going to be a big year for Julian Edelman without Gronk. Um, if he plays a full 16, you know, which he hasn't done in a while, um, maybe even ever. I think he has one full 16 under his belt. But of course, last year we had the suspension. But, you know, he charted out to be a wide receiver one within 16, with, on a 16-game pace last season. So I'm thinking that if he plays 16 games, you go, you got and kill hair. You got a good group of receivers there. But Julian Edelman is going to be the consistent guy. We know that the Patriots want to run the ball now. They're not a high-flying offense, and then they're going to have the underneath game with Julian Edelman. So, Blake, you feel good about Julian Edelman at wide receiver 14. I think he's a great value in drafts. Yeah, absolutely. We did uh, some mock drafts and stuff earlier on in the year where we were looking at this. And Edelman, you know, he's getting back there in age. He's 32. You know, that's, that's still young enough for me to feel confident in him. And, of course, he's a freak athlete anyway regardless what his age is, kind of like Brady. Uh, but you, the big thing for me is when you're looking at the consistency, you know, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be able to put up 90 to 100 receptions, and he's going to get a 1,000-yard season if he stays healthy. Uh, but all across the board, regardless of how his health was, he's constantly between that 10 to 12-yard per reception range. I'm really confident with that. He's going to be the go-to guy on third downs, and especially with a team that likes to run the football. I like having a guy that's going to get the ball on third down and keep the chains moving. Yeah, I mean, he's in such a slam dunk spot this year, maybe even more than usual because of the target vacuum that is available right now in New England. And I think he should really just take that to the bank. Um, you know, he's really the only proven commodity at receiver that they have. I mean, just, beyond James White, I think he's the only proven pass catcher that they have because they have nothing at tight end. I like Nikhil Harry, but he is a rookie receiver. I think he should have a nice rookie season, but I think Edelman is just locked in to absorb a ton of volume in that middle of the field slot role. So, yeah, I mean, he's not a guy that is ever going to make you, you know, pant when you draft him. <laughs> like, you're never going to be all that excited, but – it's take it to the bank production. So I think this is a great year to be in on Edelman. Yeah, 12 games last year, 108 targets. So, you know, he's if he plays a full 16, he's getting around 150 targets. Uh, that's what you want. 
and um, you know he's going to be a fourth round pick, fourth fifth round pick. So uh, he, it's guns a blazing for Julian Edelman. Of course, our rankings are point five PPR. Um, I think he would, you know, obviously be a little bit higher in a full PPR format. Um, so now we're down to wide receiver fifteen, and I love both of our receivers, Blake, because we've got two guys that are kind of similar here in Amari Cooper and Calvin Ridley. So I got Amari Cooper at fifteen, and you got Calvin Ridley. So let's talk about um, Amari Cooper a little bit. Now, I talked about him last episode, actually, because he was my guy that I'm, like, thinking, look, he, can, he, he could be a wide receiver one this season. He's going to be in a funnel target situation in the Cowboys where, look, he's the wide receiver one. He's the clear-cut guy. They're going to be giving him a lot of targets. You know, if we paced out last season for him, he was going to be a wide receiver one um, with one the Cowboys. So – I love Amari Cooper, but I just – I think he's going to finish around the wide receiver 12-ish. But, look, on a week-to-week basis, it's going to be tough to predict, you know, what Amari Cooper is going to give your team because this offense, of course, is run first, and he could be in a situation where he catches four passes for 48 yards, and you're not really happy about that. Kind of a similar situation with Calvin Ridley. Um, now, Blake, you're really high on him at wide receiver 15, and I know that this is your boy. So 10 touchdowns last season. Can he duplicate what he did last season in the touchdown department? Yeah, I think he definitely can as long as that offense stays going. Obviously, I think having Devontae Freeman back in this year, that could change things a little bit, and they might want to run a little bit more down in the red zone, try to get him going. Uh, so maybe that will take away some of those, but – Obviously, Julio Jones isn't going to go out and take 10 touchdowns. I don't think Austin Hooper is going to do that. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm still pretty confident with Calvin Ridley. The one thing that concerns me a little bit is the yards. Uh, he's going to get the targets and receptions. I'm not too worried about that. But it seems like he's always one breakaway play from having a huge game. So he's going to give you that 10 to 15-point game every week. But – you just don't know if you're going to be able to get one of those 20 point weeks like Amari Cooper is going to provide you once in a while. Yeah. I mean, I think he definitely has that capability. I mean, we saw last year, the huge games that really kind of pushed him up uh, in the, the, the end of season totals. Um, so last year he was the wide receiver 19 and that was, you know, with the strength of those 10 touchdowns. And of course, a lot of those came in a couple of games. I think he had one three touchdown game and then followed that with a two touchdown game. So that's five right there. Of course, um, interestingly enough, the average depth of target Calvin Ridley is 10.3. I would think that's a lot more. Um, I'm wondering if Matt Ryan uh, can provide, you know, wide receiver two and wide receiver one, uh, capability with two players once again with Matt Ryan he's just so weird you know he'll be a, uh, a QB one and then a QB two the following year it's kind of like bounces back and forth each season um, but of course Dirk Cutter is coming back so I think that he's going to be uh, a little bit more comfortable this year but you're right Blake they don't want to pass as much that, that's a big thing for me is like I don't think they want to pass as much as they did last season uh, the defense is going to be a lot better so that's why I don't have Calvin Ridley as high. Matt, what do you think about Calvin Ridley, and how does he chart out in reception perception? Uh, he's just aw- – well, number one, he's just awesome in reception perception. And uh, before I get into that, I will say that, look, the touchdowns per target rate, that's going to come down. Like, that's an inevitability. You know, 10.9% touchdown rate, that is not going to be something that carries over. 
Um, he will score, you know, fewer touchdowns per target this year. However, I think it would be categorically irresponsible for the Falcons not to give this guy a volume promotion. You know, last year, despite being a good fantasy receiver, as you're mentioning, mostly relying on big plays and big games, uh, you know, multi-touchdown games to really boost that final line. He was still consistently the number three in terms of targets and routes run on this team behind Mohamed Sanu. Um, and I think Mohamed Sanu is a fine receiver, but he's just a guy. Uh, and I think Calvin Ridley has the potential to be much, much more than that. Yes. Um, so if you look at him in reception perception, he's a guy that finished at the 93rd percentile in terms of success rate versus man coverage, success rate versus press coverage, which, oh, by the way, he doesn't face very much press coverage because he's the number two flanker receiver alongside an alpha and Julio Jones, who's going to command most of that defensive attention. But nevertheless, still showed those great release moves off the line of scrimmage at the 90th percentile score in terms of success rate versus press coverage. So he can get open deep. He can get open short. He's just such – he was a, such a pro-ready route runner coming into the NFL, and that showed right away. I have a tough time imagining – and look, we should never assume rational coaching. You know, shout out to my, my longtime buddy, Sigmund Bloom, for, for that phrase. But we should never assume rational coaching. However, it would be quite irresponsible for the Falcons not to really make – this guy, a mainstay in their offense alongside Julio Jones. And I, I do think we've seen Matt Ryan support two top fantasy receivers with Julio Jones and Roddy White before. I think they have a very similar duo here with Ridley being that, that Roddy White type of player. So I'm very excited about him. I think that, yes, regression is coming in terms of the touchdown scoring, in terms of the fantasy per target, per opportunity scoring. However, I think a volume boost has to be coming because I think he's just too good to deny. And, and I'm, I'm, it's hard not to be brazenly excited about this player. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at Muhammad Sanu with those 94 targets uh, and then Calvin Ridley around the same at 92. Um, I would love to see that promotion in, in targets for Calvin Ridley uh, this coming season. They like to get it to Sanu underneath. He, he lines up in the slot um, and he's reliable in the red zone. So, you know, I, I think that, I don't see him necessarily going away, but I'm hoping that Calvin Ridley can get just a little bit more, something in that like 110 range. Um, if he does that, then he's a wide receiver too in the NFL. I am worried about those touchdowns coming down to something like five, uh, where he would kind of not return value where you draft him this season. Um, but, you know, if you're in Dynasty, Calvin Ridley is going to be a great pick for you. He's obviously a great player. Uh, you know, he, he can win weeks for you. That's the type of player that Calvin Ridley is because we saw it last year, and he's going to have big weeks where he finishes as, like, the top, a top three receiver. That will happen. But it's just how far down is his floor. Um, so I think that we'll see the promotion and targets like you're talking about, Matt, and uh, Calvin Ridley should have a great season. So let's get into uh, 16 and 17. So, Blake, you have Amari Cooper and Stefan Diggs, who we just talked about. Um, so I have Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks. And, you know, these Rams receivers, the way I'm kind of looking at them this year, because we're going to talk about Cooper Cup later in this episode as well, I'm kind of looking at them as like their own tier. And I want the cheapest option when I'm talking about a tier. And that's going to be Cooper Cup this year. Of course, coming off the ACL tear, he does come with risk. But when he's on the field, 
Jared Goff loves me. <laughs> Jared Goff loves him some Cooper Cup. They're best buddies. He looks for him in the red zone. I mean, this guy, Cooper Cup, is a red zone threat. He's a touchdown scorer, and then he's great in PPR format. So loving Cooper Cup. But let me talk about Robert Woods real quick because – he had such an amazing season. He finished as the 10th best wide receiver in 0.5 PPR scoring. Listen to Tyreek Hill's end of season stats and listen to Robert Woods. So Tyreek Hill, 137 targets. Robert Woods, 131. 87 receptions for Tyreek Hill, 86 for Robert Woods. Tyreek Hill had 200 more yards, finishing 1,400 yards plus. Robert Woods had 1,219 yards. The big separator here was the touchdowns, of course. Six touchdowns for Robert Woods, 12 for Tyreek Hill. And then they both had, you know, rushing attempts and finished with about 150 yards rushing, too. They had such similar seasons. The only big difference there was the touchdowns. So if Robert Woods could have had, like, a few more touchdowns, he's, up, he's finishing around wide receiver five or six. Um, that's how good of a season that Robert Woods had. I don't know if that can duplicate because we just talked about Cooper Cup and he did miss the time. I think that was a big boost for Robert Woods, but he's still my wide receiver 16, and I think he's going to be slept on this year. Matt, talk to me about Robert Woods in, in reception perception, and talk to me if you think that he's a good value this year. I think that he's getting a boost because of his finish last season. Yeah, I think that Robert Woods is just such a clean receiver, and when you look at these two guys – Cooks and Cup, I think that Robert Woods slides somewhere in, in the between zone of these guys and that Woods can play every role. You know, if you need him to go out there and play outside as a flanker, he can do that. We saw him then move inside to play a Cooper Cup type of role once Cup exited the lineup, and he did that very well. Now he will go back outside more this coming season as long as Cup is healthy, which, as you mentioned, I do think is a little bit of a question, um, although yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk Cup in a little bit, but I think that what you're looking at at Robert Woods is just he's a little bit of the best of both worlds between these two guys. Um, so I really like him. He's a clean route runner. He's a good separator. He does everything pretty well. The thing that stands out most to me in reception perception with Robert Woods is what a good outside route runner he is. And I don't mean like lining up on the outside. I mean, you know, you look at the out, the comeback, the flat route. Those are routes that he runs really well. And you don't see that as much in the NFL these days where most guys are really experts on the inside breaking routes. Um, I think that really just shows you what type of player Robert Woods is from a technique standpoint. So I, I'm very impressed with Woods. I think that I think there's a debate to be had whether who's better, him or Brandon Cooks. Although I still side on Cooks' side of that of this debate. And frankly, what's so impressive about Brandon Cooks is that I think in reception perception backs this up. I think he had clearly his best season this past season as an LA Ram for his first year. And it's exciting that he's tethered to this spot for the long term because I love the way that Sean McVay didn't just use him on deep vertical routes like he'd been used in New England or in New Orleans where he was still very productive, but he made a lot of good use of him on those crossing routes into the middle of the field where you get his speed into open space. So, I mean, these Rams receivers are really excited to talk, are exciting to talk about. And, um, you know, they're all kind of here bunched together in this tier two of guys. Like, you have Robert Woods a little bit lower at wide receiver 22. Is that based off of Cooper Cup coming back? Yeah, that's basically the only reason. Uh, you know, obviously we did see a lot better numbers last year with with Robert Woods, and I love Robert Woods. He's a great player. Uh, another guy that I like is fairly consistent from week to week, too. It's one thing that's got going for him. Uh, but, you know, he goes up 30 receptions last year over his first five years in the league. 
Uh, granted, he did play more games, but the thing is, when you're taking Cooper Cup out of the equation, <laughs> you know, and you have Gurley down the stretch going down a little bit, yeah. you know, I, I, start, I start to wonder, is that going to be sustainable? Obviously, maybe a case like Calvin Ridley where they do give him more targets, but he had 130 targets last year compared to 85 the season before that. So I think he's going to fall around somewhere in the middle about that 115 targets. Uh, and maybe he still has a good catch percentage. He stays up there around 80 receptions, but I just don't see it being quite as good of a season as it was last year. So I have to draft him a little bit lower just mm-hmm. to be precautious. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, Blake. Uh, and, you know, if you're, you're not really losing out with any of these Rams receivers, you know what you're going to get. Um, all of them are going to make – great fantasy players. Brandon Cooks, like you said, Matt, had his best season, a little bit more consistent than years past. Um, so I think that both of them are, you know, good values this season. Um, it's just like, I, like I said, I would rather, I would prefer the cheaper option of the three. Um, so let's get into my number 18 here, Chris Godwin. And we're talking about a promotion in targets with Calvin Ridley that's kind of questionable in my opinion, just because of Muhammad Sanu being there. And then of course the running game uh, with Devontae Freeman coming back. There is no question in my mind that Chris Godwin is going to get a promotion and targets. He had 95 last season. He actually did finish as a wide receiver 25 overall, but why he's going to get more targets is simply this. There's 174 targets on the table and Adam Humphreys and Deshaun Jackson, they're gone. So 174 targets gone. And now you have Chris Godwin, the clear-cut wide receiver two in a Bruce Arians offense. Bruce Arians is already excited. He's talking about 100 receptions for Chris Godwin. I don't know if I'm buying that, but I am buying close to 120 targets for Chris Godwin. And if he can give you that, he's going to fall somewhere in that range in like a high-end wide receiver two. I have him at wide receiver 18 just because there's so many good receivers to talk about. I mean, we were talking off air, Blake. There are so many good receivers in these like top 20 um, that really, you know, could finish a lot higher. Um, So Chris Godwin is one of those guys. I'm loving the way that his – 2019 season looks you're gonna get them for cheap and his upside is very good on this Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense yeah so the only reason I have Chris Godwin lower and I have him at 21 versus your 18 main thing for me is just going to be having Jameis Winston obviously that's a great thing uh, for the fact that he throws a lot and that offense is going to be high powered in that regards Uh, but I do worry about Winston's accuracy sometimes and his leadership Uh, Maybe the ability for that team to kind of get out of hand a few weeks into the season. We saw it last year where it went back and forth between him and Fitzpatrick. You just really didn't know what you were going to get. But I think Godwin's a heck of a player. He's young. If you're having dynasty drafts, he's definitely going to move up my list quite a bit in dynasty. I think that in a matter of two years, you're going to start seeing him at his peak level. But he is still young. He's only 22. So you have to kind of hamper your – you know, your expectations for him. And I think he's going to be that player. I just don't want to jump too early in a redraft situation. But if it was Dynasty, I'm comfortable moving up the board to get him. What's his ADP right now in redraft? Something like fifth round? Is he up in the fifth round right now? Uh, let me check, but it, I, I should be, it should uh, be around there. I think he's going like fifth, sixth round. I mean, it's, it's pretty high. Like he's going to have to return. Right. There, you know, for, for that young of a player that's unproven. Yeah, it's definitely high. 
I, I find myself drafting Chris Godwin a lot um, at this point. I just love that offense. Um, it's a passing offense, obviously. They haven't done anything at the running back. I mean, you know, if they would have just drafted a guy or brought in a veteran, you know, like a Tevin Coleman or something, I'd be like a little bit more hesitant. But for some reason, I'm just really thinking that Bruce Arians is going to ground out Jameis Winston enough to make him not as erratic and not as, you know, destructive. Um, the interceptions will still be there, but I just love this offense in terms of fantasy. Um, so I'm in a, I'm in a 16 team league and he was the first pick of the fourth round. Wow. So, yeah. so basically that's like the back end of the fourth round in a normal 12 team league. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say yes. Or like mid fifth round, but probably not for, you're not going to get him like in the seventh round. He's no, he's up. not going to slide that far. No, exactly. So, Matt, what do you think about Chris Godwin? Is he going to be able to return value this year, assuming that he's like a mid-fifth-round pick? I mean, everything lines up for Chris Godwin, right? This is a pass-heavy team, as you guys have mentioned, You know, both because I think Bruce Arians will design it as so, also the quarterback that they have, the lack of really a talented running back. Maybe Ronald Jones rebounds and is serviceable, but I still don't think he's going to be the type of guy that you're going to flow an offense through no matter what. And then they also have a defense that will necessitate pass-heavy game scripts. This secondary still looks really, really rough on paper. They just jettisoned probably their be- at least one of their two or three best players in Gerald McCoy, who signed with the Carolina Panthers in the division. So this is a team that's going to have to pass the ball a lot. Um, outside of Mike Evans and O.J. Howard, you know, there's really no high-end proven talent beyond these three guys. So Chris Godwin should slide in for a good chunk of the targets here. And icing on the cake is we know he's good. Not only has he performed every time he's gotten the ball in the NFL, not, every time he's gotten opportunities, he's played well. Almost always, you know, not 100%. I know everybody's still hung up on that one game where he had like 10 targets and caught one pass. Let it go. Things happen sometimes. Yeah. Now, also, for in reception perception, this is a guy who's been good Every time he's been looked at. Back in college, he showed a clear trump card trait with his ability to win the ball in the air. Had one of the best contested catch rates I've ever charted. Also was a strong separator. And once again, we saw that this past year when he got chances in reception perception, he had an 81.8% contested catch rate. That was clearly, once again, the transitioning of that trump card trait. And also, again, a strong separator an 87th percentile success rate versus man coverage score. So Godwin can do it all. He has pretty much everything that you'd want to see in a breakout wide receiver. The hype and the price will be high, but I think both are justified. I wouldn't fear it. I, I'm willing to buy in on Chris Godwin as, as the most obvious breakout candidate to spot this year. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot, Matt. You're on the clock. You're in the fifth round. Redraft, 0.5 PPR. Chris Godwin or Jarvis Landry? Oh, I'm taking Chris Godwin. I'm not thinking twice about it. You know, we, we, I know Landry's on our list later, but, you know, one, and, and I think the Browns' offense will be better. I think the Bucks' offense has a chance to be more voluminous through the air, even if it's not as good of an offense because I don't trust a quarterback there at, at all. I think the, the, I think the Browns, if they're a winning team, they're not going to be throwing the ball through the air a bunch. They will – game scripts will necessitate a run heavy script and, and they have a talented running back in Nick Chubb. And then obviously they have Kareem Hunt coming back later. Also, and a, and a good defense. Yeah. Again, if the Browns are winning 10 to 11 in games, they're going to be one of the best teams in the AFC. It's not going to be just by throwing the ball through the air. It's going to be the defense takes a step forward. 
they then run the ball with Nick Chubb more. So I, I think the, the Bucks have a chance to push for the NFL lead in pass attempts. I think Baker has a chance to push for an MVP-type season, but I don't, don't think it's going to be by leading the NFL in pass attempts. So there's more volume in Tampa Bay available. And also, as I mentioned, I think this offense in Tampa Bay is going to flow through Evans, Godwin, O.J. Howard. And when you look at Cleveland, not only do they have an alpha now in Odell Beckham, they also have – a lot of intriguing players behind Jarvis Landry. Rashad Higgins, I think, has proven to be a yeah. solid contributor. They have um, Antonio Callaway as a potential deep threat target. They have David Njoku potentially taking a step forward. If Duke Johnson is, in fact, still on this roster, he will get looks. I think the target distribution is much more highly concentrated in Tampa Bay. So I think for all of those reasons, and again, I just think Chris Godwin can straight up be a better player than Jarvis Landry. For all of those reasons, I'm taking Chris Godwin over Landry. I love that. I love that. Yeah, and, you know, it's like kind of that fantasy conundrum. It's like, do you want a player in a good offense or do you want a player in a bad offense that has to pass a lot? And, like, you know, we saw with Allen Robinson in 2015, he was a wide receiver one because Blake Bortles created his own garbage time. James Winston <laughs> has a lot of those Blake Bortles qualities where he can do that for himself. Uh, and for his receivers. So, um, you know, you got to love garbage time in fantasy football. So Chris Godwin is probably due for some. But then really, uh, when you look at it more, you're right. The, fu- the targets are going to be funneled to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And um, just on, on that note, too, I, it, it's, it is a tough conundrum. Like, do you want the guy in the better offense or the one that's not as good? I will say, I don't think the Bucks are going to be a bad offense. And I don't necessarily right. want to be – I don't want to be drafting players in bad offenses because then you're looking at – like the 2016 Jaguars, you know, they, they couldn't move the ball. Allen Robinson was a bust. Allen Hearns disappeared. The only thing they could do was like throw uh, flat routes to Marquise Lee and like drags across the middle of the field. That was all they could do. That's a bad offense. I don't want to be investing in bad offenses, but I'm definitely willing to break ties in favor of, okay, I'll take the guy in the offense. that's not going to be quite top five, but still is probably going to be top 15 in the NFL or even top 20 because of the volume is just more highly concentrated. So it's not a one-to-one ratio, but you're right. Those are the harder decisions to make in fantasy. It's, and it is a little counterintuitive sometimes to not just pick, okay, Landry's in the better offense. I'm taking Landry. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You don't want like a horrific offense. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, exactly. An offense that's going to be passing a lot um, and, uh, and, and going to need to pass a lot when they're down in games is what we're talking about, a game script sort of situation. Um, so I have Allen Robinson at number 19, Blake, Kenny Galladay, number 19. Both these players kind of similar in how they play. I mean, they're both big wide receivers. They both uh, thrive in downfield jump ball situations. Um, I was talking off air with you, Matt. I'm really excited for Allen Robinson this year. I think that he's going to be a value. Um, you're seeing him drop to like eighth round, ninth round, and he's the number one receiver on this team. I like his talent. I think that, you know, we're not going to see uh, ever a 2015 Allen Robinson again. That was an outlier. We're never going to see that 14 touchdown, 1400 yard season again. But what you can see is you can see an increase in targets. Last year he had something like 94 targets. I think he can get up into that like 110 range. Um, that's not something that, you know, the Bears want to do. It's not like they want to funnel targets to Allen Robinson. They want to spread the ball around. But he only played 13 games last season. Extrapolate the 16 games. I think he can get up to that 110 target range. And then you're looking at a solid wide receiver, too, in the NFL. Uh, yeah, I really like Kenny Galladay, and I'm looking at, you know, Matt Stafford. 
who last year I talked about. I drafted him in our league. It really came back to bite me. Mm. Uh, it, was a bad year for, it was a bad year for him, man. He's going to come back. Yeah, it, it was an outlier year, but you've seen that in the ADPs now where he's below Josh Allen, he's below Lamar Jackson, all of these guys. Matt Stafford is just getting disrespected on this season. Uh, he's got receivers with Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay, who I think Kenny Galladay is going to put up a great year this year. I had him last year. I don't know if you remember, Stephen, but I started him that one week. Uh, won me a huge matchup. It was a really gutsy call. Yes. Had a huge year. 70 receptions, 1,000 yards, five touchdowns. He's only 25. It's just, you know, I think he's going to have a great career, especially up there in Detroit. You look at the yards perception, 17 in his first year and 15 last season. Uh, I really think the sky is the limit for this guy. Yeah, Matt, uh, talk to me about Allen Robinson. And then, you know, you're going to, like, between the two guys, and I think that they're both can finish around uh, the same spot, and we have them ranked around the same spot, Blake. Um, Between the two guys, you're going to save the draft pick if you wait on Allen Robinson as opposed to drafting Kenny Galladay in, like, the fifth, sixth round. Um, But talk to me about both guys and which one you're looking to draft. Yeah, those who have followed Reception Perception since kind of its beginning know how I feel about Allen Robinson, uh, know how excited I was for him coming into that 2015 season based on his Reception Perception data. Um, And as you mentioned, that 2015 season is something that I don't think we will see again. Um, You know, he was a player that finished at the 78th percentile – or excuse me, finished – well, like, you know, about the 90th percentile versus press coverage that year. Mm. Um, That's probably something that we're not going to see again. We haven't seen, we haven't seen that since, you know, the 2016 season definitely was a down one for him, you know, across any reception perception metric you look at, he set career lows in terms of press and man coverage there. However, last year with the bears, we saw him check back in at the 78th percentile in success rate versus man coverage. That's about what you're going to want to expect from a big wide receiver that wins contested passes like Allen Robinson. And if you look at the routes that he had his best success rate scores on, you're looking at the slant, the curl, the dig, the nine route. Um, You know, those first three routes, those are ones that you just pile up production on, especially for, a quarterback who wants to see a guy come open, you know, in Mitchell Trubisky there. I, I think that Robinson is a great bounce back candidate, you know, I, and I, and if we see him take another step in terms of his reception perception success rates, which I think is possible because you have to remember he was still coming back from an ACL last year. And there were times where that manifested itself in other injuries, you know, compounded into, into other issues there. So I think there's a chance we see even a better version of Allen Robinson this year. And then it just comes down to, how much volume is he going to get? And also, what, how, what is the rest of this offense going to look like? Because I'm excited about Anthony Miller. I still think Taylor Gabriel is good. I think that obviously the, the running backs will soak up volume on their own, both on the ground and through the air. So how much volume is Allen Robinson really going to get? And then you have to ask yourself how good the quarterback is. So there are certainly questions with Allen Robinson, but and just this Bears offense in general, but players like Robinson and players like Anthony Miller, I'm willing to buy in on at cost because I think they're very good players and that, that slide into very good roles on this Bears offense. So I'm looking at it right now, and Blake, I want to hear your opinion on this. Kenny Galladay, uh, according to Fantasy Football cal- Calculator, he's going at the 408. Allen Robinson is going in mid-seventh round. 
I mean, when you, when you look at that, like I would much rather wait on Allen Robinson and get a running back or some, you know, maybe even another receiver um, in that in that fourth round. Blake, what do you think about that? I mean, would you be willing to pull that trigger on Kenny Galladay in the late fourth round? Uh, I'm kind of in both boats there. It kind of depends on where you're drafting. Uh, in this 16-team league I'm in, Kenny Galladay went at the 316, hmm. and we are currently sitting at the 5'9", and Allen Robinson is still on the board. So wow. so I, I, right now there's the great value. In, draft. in yes. any draft you look at, Allen, Allen Robinson is just available. <laughs> yes, th- nobody has drafted Allen Robinson yet this year. Yeah. (laughs) Not one person has drafted Alan Robinson. And it's disrespectful. Matt, I'm glad that you're on board with Alan Robinson. Like, he's only 26 years old. So, like, he's still a good dynasty asset, in my opinion. Of course, he did have the injury a couple years ago um, with the foot. Um, Now, I I think that he's removed from that enough, I think, ready in year two in this offense uh, to make a push. Um, he's going to be value at, at the seventh round. I think that he's going to really return value. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's just available. Um, so, Blake, you have Chris Godwin at 21. You have Alan Robinson at 20. Chris Godwin at 21. Robert Woods, 22. Cooper Cup, 23. And Jarvis Landry, 24. Um, just talk to me about Jarvis and – what do you think that his outlook is this year? We talked a little bit about the Browns offense, but talk to me real quick about what you think Jarvis Landry is this season. He had a career low 58% catch percentage, and I, or 54.4 was his catch percentage, career low by far. And I think that was really due to him being on the outside, having to be the number one option. I think that it's actually going to be addition by subtraction. Uh, or, well, I, I guess addition by addition here. Uh, you add Odell Beckham, and I think that actually – Landry is going to have more value in fantasy than he did last season when he was the guy. Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of uh, a tricky thing here. You're kind of on a teeter-totter, and you could go either side of it, where I think Odell being there is definitely going to help open things up and take the pressure off of Landry. And obviously they're great friends, so I think it's going to make it more fun, and they're going to challenge each other to be better players. Yes. Uh, and so I think that's a great thing. And, you know, Baker obviously is going to have a whole year under his belt now. So, you know, the thing for me is hopefully he'll be able to read these defenses quicker, get the ball out quicker. Uh, and that's what Landry's really good at, hitting those quick in routes, things like that where he's getting that separation early instead of burning by people like Odell's going to be doing. Um, so, so I think that's going to be really big. But then I'm also a little bit concerned because we did talk about how that running game's going to be. We did talk about that defense getting better, how that's going to be important in playing uh, – factoring into this to this team so i'm looking for him to definitely improve i'm going to look for him to be around 90 receptions which would be definitely higher than last year but he's not i don't think he's going to break 100 receptions like he has twice in his career before uh but definitely look for him to hit that thousand yard mark this year and hopefully he can have more than four touchdowns which was kind of disappointing last year yeah i mean i think that's what you're going to get from landry you can't really expect more he had the one outlier season with nine um, and he was a wide receiver one uh, in 2017, where he had nine touchdowns, 112 receptions. I think that, you know, he's going to come back to earth a little bit. I mean, that 54% catch rate is just that, – that's an outlier in itself. So he had 148 targets, only 81 receptions. Let's take that down a little bit because Odell's in town. Let's take that down to 115, 120 
you know, he can still get around 85 to 90 catches. Um, so that's still his upside. Um, you're going to have to pay a fifth-round pick for him. Matt, are you willing to do it, or are you kind of off of Jarvis Landry this season? No, as I mentioned earlier, I think there's a lot of holes to, to poke in Jarvis Landry's um, case to be that high of a draft pick this year. Um, I think he could have a better individual season in his second year with the Browns, but still not be as appealing in fantasy for all the reasons I mentioned earlier. So usually for me, when he's going off the board and drafts, there's just someone else I want to draft more than him. You know, you talk about a guy like, you know, Alan Robinson, I think has a chance at a higher ceiling. Chris Godwin, I think has a chance at a higher, higher ceiling. Tyler Lockett, I think has a chance at a higher ceiling. There are guys that are just going to be going around that same range and I'm going to pick them over Jarvis Landry simply because of all the reasons that I mentioned earlier. So I have Cooper, uh, I have Kenny Galladay at 21. I have Jarvis Landry at 20, Kenny Galladay at 21, Cooper Cup 22, Tyler Lock at 23, Sterling Shepard at 24. I think Sterling Shepard is going to have a good year. He finished last season as the wide receiver 29. Of course, Odell was there for uh, part of the season, and then Sterling Shepard kind of took over as the number one, uh, which really wasn't that great in a New York Giants offense that really struggled. But he did end up with 107 targets, 66 catches, 172 yards, four touchdowns. I think that he improves a little bit in all of those categories across the board. He ends up being a wide receiver, too, for you. Uh, he's going to come at value. So of those players I just mentioned, Matt, talk to me about one of them that you really want to talk about. Um, I think I have a feeling who it is. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Lockett's the layup. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think everybody knows how much I like him, but also this year he's going to be in such a cush situation, you know, playing more slot receiver now that Doug Baldwin's gone. And, again, he's just such a good player that I think is on the ascending point of his career. So I'm not worried about the regression with some of the metrics like yards per target, again, touchdowns per target, much like we talked about with Calvin Ridley. Those things are going to come, but I also think a volume boost to buoy that is going to come as well. And just one note on Sterling Shepard, too. I was happy to see you had him this high, but I also personally feel very conflicted about Sterling Shepard because I think he's a great route runner. I think he's a great technician. I've been a fan of his game since his days at Oklahoma. So I'm hoping that I see him and, you know, take that next step this year. But I'm just so worried about this Giants offense. You know, how long are they going to hold on to Eli Manning before giving up the ghost? Um, and, yeah, sure, you know, the fact that they want to play a small ball offense really only operate short and over the middle of the field with Eli Manning. That's nice for Sterling Shepard uh, because he should be able to pile up a lot of targets there. It's also kind of nice for Golden Tate too, but I just don't think there's a great ceiling to chase with either of these guys. So I like Shepard if he goes late enough. Um, but again, there's, it's just not a sexy pick right now, even though I'm such a, a big fan of the player. And then when they turn things over to Daniel Jones, I mean, then we're really in the wilderness. And I think Jones is starting at some point this year, but we're really in the wilderness there with a player like Daniel Jones. So, like Sterling Shepard, was happy to see you having this high. Um, but, yeah, I just I feel very conflicted about, about the, this particular fantasy evaluation. Not the player evaluation, but the fantasy evaluation. Yeah, I, have, I had a lot of guys who I was going to put in that 24 spot, and I really wanted it to be somebody who I'm high on. I just kind of want to just drive that home. Like, I think Sterling Shepard has that kind of capability. Again, he did finish as the wide receiver 29 last year. So I am seeing improvements in all of those categories without Odell Beckham. Uh, but, of course, you know, you have to rely on Eli Manning's arm and this Giants offense if that's going to happen. Um, I think you can get a good value on Sterling Shepard if he drops to, like, the 10th, 11th round. Grab up Sterling Shepard. I think you're going to, you know, he's going to really return value for you. Um, 
Let's get into these plus ones, guys. So this is one guy uh, that's not in this, you know, wide receiver two range that we really are high on. Uh, Blake, I want you to lead us off here. And you got a lot of names here, but I'm asking you just to pick one. Yeah, it's hard to pick just one. A lot of guys I threw on here, such as uh, uh, basically anybody that's not DeAndre Hopkins on the Texans uh, and basically anybody on the Arizona Cardinals. I'm a little bit Worried about whether it's going to be Hakeem Butler, Larry Fitzgerald, or Andy Isabella. Uh, but I'm going to go with Larry Fitzgerald as my main guy just because he's been so consistent over his career, even with bad quarterbacks. So now you add in Kyler Murray into the equation. I don't think there should be any problem getting uh, Larry Fitzgerald over 90 receptions, and he should, of wow. course, be around to that six to eight, uh, six to eight touchdown range. As long as he can stay healthy, stay on the field which he has done throughout his whole career. But obviously, he is going to be 36 this season. So there is a little bit of concern with that. And you're adding in some more talent. But uh, I, I think the offense is going to be high enough powered to sustain it. Yeah, I mean, if we really believe that this offense is what it is, which, you know, it's still – the jury is still out, you know. Uh, you know, is uh, this, you know, uh, high-powered offense really going to live up to, uh, you know, the bill here? Um, but if it does, I mean, what, Larry's going to be out there in the slot and, you know, maybe racking up, you know, 80, 90 receptions isn't out of the realm of possibility if he can stay healthy. I think a lot of people are thinking about Christian Kirk. A lot of people are looking at Andy Isabella. Um, you know, I think Christian Kirk is going to have a great year. But, you know, if Larry Fitzgerald sticks around, he could really surprise people. He's done it before. Um, so it wouldn't be that crazy. Um, so, Matt. I want you to talk about your plus one in your wide receiver three range. I have to say, well, for one, it's a, it's a mix of two players because they're on the same team. But I will say, let's, let's not forget Christian Kirk in this Arizona Cardinals wide receiver core because I think he's my favorite of that group. So that's one to put a pin on um, in that offense. Really like the way he fits with Kyler Murray, with King, Cliff Kingsbury, and the way he showed that he could play both outside inside, and inside last year was super impressive. But for me, my two guys – I think there's a chance that one of these two gets in the top 24 um, and I am open to it being either one of them. And it's Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore of the Carolina Panthers. If Cam Newton is right. And we look, if you've followed the Panthers on social media at all, they've been really in Cam's own words, they've really been sicing up the fact that he's throwing in mini camps. So that's nice to see. We'll see if it lasts the entire season, but at least it's a positive note right now that he's going to be 100% going into week one, and we will see this offense operating at full form. And that brings us to these two young, intriguing, uh, talented wide receivers, starting with DJ Moore. Look, right now, DJ Moore, he has clearly defined strengths, which is his ability to win the ball in the air, despite you know not being like the biggest receiver, and his ability to win out in space after the catch. He reminds me so much of Golden Tate, it's, it's eerie. I think he's just that type of player. So if he has that slot receiver role, that flanker receiver role down, I think he has a chance to pile up a lot of production. And right now he's the favorite to be the Panthers lead receiver, but I think there's a chance that Curtis Samuel could be the wide receiver one here because let's talk about DJ Moore's weakness right now, which is route running, the ability to separate versus press man coverage in reception perception. He finished below the 10th percentile as a rookie in success rate versus man and press coverage. He's not a guy with good release moves off the scrimmage. He's just not a good route runner, period, right now. And if you look at Curtis Samuel, it's impossible to watch the 2018 
the 2018 Carolina Panthers and not recognize that Curtis Samuel is the best route runner on the team. He is clearly the best separator, and it's not even close. I mentioned where Curtis Samuel or where DJ Moore slots in in reception perception. You're looking at Curtis Samuel as a guy who with a 94th percentile success rate versus man coverage score. I don't think it is a hot take here on the Hot Take Podcast. I don't think it is a hot take, a hot take to say that Curtis Samuel right now shows flashes of early career Stefan Diggs. I think he's that type of player. I'm very, very excited about him. So both of these guys I'm interested in in fantasy this year, and the fact that there's a pretty wide gap in terms of what's going to cost you to get them, that makes me very interested in Curtis Samuel late. Yeah, I like Curtis Samuel. We're talking about value in drafts. You know, you're going to have to pay up for DJ Moore, or you can wait for Curtis Samuel, and then they could end up with comparable seasons. Um, you know, last season, Curtis Samuel was the wide receiver 45, uh, DJ Moore wide receiver 34. Um, you know, DJ Moore was had a little bit more targets um, and had more success uh, with that. But, you know, Curtis Samuel really came on at the end of the season. Um, and now he's going to be healthy. Uh, you know, he's going to come into the 2019 season healthy. Um, he only played 12 games last year. Um, I'm really excited about Curtis Samuel, too. I'm glad you mentioned his name. I think this is a guy who's going to be a great value in best ball. Um, you know, in DFS last season, he was, like, cheap, you know, just basically free. And, you know, he was just putting up, you know, 15 or so points to win you your week. Uh, I love Curtis Samuel. And then Cam Newton is actually looking really good. I don't know if you guys saw the, t- uh, the tape. But, you know, Cam Newton, I think the shoulder is going to be alleviated. It's going to be kind of like an Andrew Luck situation where we're like, ah, I don't know what's going on. But it looks as if Cam Newton is going to be healthy. Um, I think they're doing things to kind of uh, accommodate to him. Um, And like you said, that separation is going to be huge for a guy like Cam Newton who doesn't display the most accuracy that we've seen. Uh, My plus one is Robert Foster. And look, I just saw the Roto World notification that he's got a foot injury. I'm not sure the extent of it. As of right now, they say it's a small problem but he's going to miss some time here. It's way early on, so he should be back uh, for preseason. Uh, But what I like about Robert Foster, I mean, last season, he didn't really come on until the last seven games of the season. In those seven games, he had three games over 100 yards. He had one game with 94 yards, so really four out of seven games, 100 yards, and then three touchdowns. He doesn't need the volume to get it done because he has Josh Allen, who has one of the biggest arms in the NFL right now, who loves to air it out. And if you don't believe me, look at Robert Foster's average depth of target, 22.9 ADOT. I mean, he led the league in ADOT by far. I mean, that's above guys like Deshaun Jackson. It's above guys like uh, Mike Evans. Of course, the volume's way down for Robert Foster with 44 targets. But it's above guys like Deshaun Jackson, um, guys that are really perennial uh, deep ball guys. Robert Foster is going to become one of these perennial deep ball guys. He runs a 4-4-40, come undrafted out of Alabama. Um, 6'2", about 200 pounds. He is a prototypical wide receiver one in his size, and he has unbelievable speed. You know, he's going to be lined up. I'm looking at him as the wide receiver one in this Bills offense. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be the sexiest offense, but I think it's kind of underrated when we're looking at these offenses in the league right now and their fantasy value. I mean, all of these wide receivers, A. Jones, John Brown, Robert Foster, Cole Beasley even, they're not going to be drafted high. You can throw a flyer at one of these guys, and if you're going to, 
My money's on Robert Foster. I think he's going to be a great value this season. So, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. It's been a pleasure to have you, uh, an honor. Uh, you know, I've followed your stuff since NFL Network days. Uh, you know, you've actually joined your buddies, uh, James Coe and Marcus Grant. They were actually on last year. So you're the third of the bunch to get on the show. Um, but, yeah, just talk to us about what you got coming up for the folks, um, for all the fans, and then talk to us a little bit about the, uh, the Scott Fishbowl and what, what you're going to be doing for, for that. Yeah, I thank you guys so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure. You know, it's always a pleasure to follow up legends like James Coe and Marcus Grant, uh, my, good, my good friends down here in Los Angeles. And uh, yeah, I mean, right now we got a lot of fun stuff going on, of course, with Reception Perception. If you guys are interested in checking out any more of that, some of the metrics that I, uh, that I mentioned today, it is available once again this year in the Fantasy Footballers Ultimate Draft Kit. You go to receptionperception.com. You can find a link there to purchase access to all of the data that I've mentioned. And in addition to that, also right now I've got a podcast. We haven't talked – we didn't talk much about any rookies because, you know, they're just not in great spots this year to be up in the top 24 position. But if you want to learn more about the rookies that are coming into this year's class, got a new podcast going on, Rookie Orientation. Go subscribe wherever – you get your podcast and I'm very excited about the Scott Fishbowl man I'll be joining the um, SFB telethon again uh, this year with the guys over or this is my first year I didn't get to do it last year because I was transitioning to a new job but should be fun uh, happening in early July and uh, yeah man it's just it's great to it's, it's a great time to be involved in fantasy it's a great time to be involved in this community and uh, thank you guys so much for having me on man I'm, I'm really excited to uh, I'm excited to get the season rolling even though I have a nice vacation coming up before it hey. starts that sounds good. Where are you going? <laughs> I'm just going back home, man. You know, my dad, he, my dad lives a very tough life. Uh, he is retired. He lives um, in a beach house off Emerald Isle in North Carolina. I will be going to spend um, a few days, uh, well, more like a week uh, with him. So I will be many beers deep, many, many, <laughs> uh, many, of, uh, many of times out on the beach and out on the boat uh, here at the end of June into July. And then once that's over, you know, then it's, you know, just head right in the sand, man. And, and, and then we'll see you, we'll see you in February where the season's over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, your vacation, you know, you're pretty much living a vacation every day living in Los Angeles, you know? <laughs> yeah. I can't complain. I can't complain. <laughs> I lived there for a couple of years. Uh, I think I'll be out there at some point. Uh, when I do, I'll hit you up, man. We'll have a beer. Awesome. I would love that. Awesome, dude. Blake, uh, anything you want to say about draft pros real quick before we get out of here? Yeah. Just be sure to go on to the FSGN.com. Click on the Draft Pros link there. Check out all of our experts there. Uh, and obviously, you're going to want to get into that Slack chat with us. So make sure you check our availability. Book an appointment with us if you want to help us, if you want us to help you with your drafts. Uh, and, of course, we're going to be adding some great experts into that Slack chat. So you're going to want to make sure you hit us up to get into that. Awesome. Yeah, and on behalf of Full-Time Fantasy Pod Net, uh, you're going to subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts to get that free entry in the Scott Fishbowl 9. My name is Stephen Taroni. Once again, on behalf of Blake Selvin, this has been the Hot Take Podcast.